What's going on, BBN? Welcome back to episode three of the Kentucky Connection podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, my boy Noah from uh, Hardwood Trash Talk, my absolute favorite TikTok creator. Watch every single one of his videos. This dude is one of the most knowledgeable college basketball people on the planet. This guy knows way more than I could ever hope to know. How you doing, Noah? Thanks so much for joining, bro. I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me on. and It's a blessing. Can't wait to talk basketball let's get it yeah man so uh, me and noah actually uh we found each other on tiktok you know i post t- uh tiktoks about kentucky and he posts uh tiktoks about the broad college basketball landscape and uh i think i followed you first because i just loved your videos and i was a fan and then one of those one of these days you followed me back and so we've kind of just been you know talking here and there about about college basketball and stuff so i definitely felt like i needed to get you on here i, I really respect your opinion and uh, i want the listeners to be able to you know find you so um look up hardwood track talk on tiktok and twitter uh, my man Noah stays on top of that stuff but um yeah so today's first topic uh i wanted to kind of get your opinion on kentucky's incoming recruiting class looking at guys like Kaysen wallace chris livingston adu Thiero, and then of course uh antonio reeves coming through the transfer portal you know how do you feel about each one of those guys and and uh, how do you see them projecting for us uh well i want to start off saying Kaysen wallace is probably my favorite player in the high school 20 uh 2023 class 20 yeah 2022 um but he stand out on both ends of the floor two-way long arms gigantic hands beautiful pull-up game i was watching him at richardson texas and i think he could play the one or two guy he reminds me a lot of drew holiday and i think severe willers coming back right I, right i think he is so he, he could play right next to him, and they could be formidable on the defensive end. Um, he has a good outside shot. I don't worry about him. Great leadership. He was at Jordan Brand. He was at McDonald's, um, and he's just been killing it ever since. So, like, I'm really high on him. Unfortunately, I'm not high on Chris Livingston. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I think some, you say that. So it's like watching basketball, it's like some players have swagger, like high-ranked recruits if you're that high rank you have to have it has to be more than just he offers a lot athleticism like he's strong when he gets in the paint he could bump off them and score like he reminds me of like a young Jalen Brown right but his handle is kind of loose now I don't know if coach Kyle is going to use him in like on ball opportunities and I just don't know how he fits like do you fit him like in the backcourt, because when I watch him, he seems pretty small compared to like he was a he was like a, a phenom early in his high school career. Like they were like, because he's out of Akron, he went to LeBron's uh, former high school, and they were like, is he like the next LeBron? He was, you know, athletic, dunking posters, everything. But it's like over time, now his shot is fluid. It's gotten better. It's mechanical. Like it's not uh, mechanical as it once was. Soft touch, good follow through, but I I feel like you need wiggle in this game, and if he doesn't add that wiggle to his game, maybe he does. But right now, I don't know, and it's just hard for me to. I also look towards the NBA draft, so like I know Coach Cal likes to put players in the league. He'll go to the league off a of raw potential alone. But as a Kentucky fan, you want a title. I don't know if he has that demeanor and that presence to be a contributor on a title winning team. 
just in my personal opinion, um, I'm sure the the kid is a hard worker and stuff, but um, I'm just not as high on him. I think, like I said, Casey Wallace is probably one of y'all best recruits that y'all got in recent memory. I know it's a bunch of guys in the league right now killing it, but if we're just talking like out of high school, body of work of high school, what they've done against top competition, because some kids run run away from the bump. I respect I respect Case and Wallace. I really do. Now, Adu Thero, that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he was a he's a uh he's late on the scene. Now his name started to get some rise, like, oh, he's going to Kentucky. I started seeing that rumor fly out, but I didn't really hear, know about him. Three star recruit, like um, not not on the big team. Wasn't really didn't really know too much. Then I watched uh just a couple highlight vids. Now it doesn't always say much, but I can tell like he's raw too. But he, Coach Kyle sees something in him, and I I don't know exactly what he sees. But watching watching the highlight tapes, it's not it's not crazy for Coach Kyle to offer him for him to come to Kentucky. I think he is a project player. I don't know if he gets PT off rip, and I know it's a it's a far comparison. But like in terms of just the rawness, like. Hami Dialu, when he came out of uh, high school, where did, I forgot where he went. Put, Putnam. Uh, yeah, I think uh, somewhere in New York. Yeah, it's it's sort of like that. I feel like it's gonna take time, but he definitely has flashes, like especially in the transition game. I seen him do a couple behind the back moves. I seen he's athletic. I seen he he's willing to shoot. So I wonder how the assistant coaches are gonna work with him. Um, Think he's a project player, and then Antonio Reeves. I seen that he's mainly a scorer. I haven't really checked enough film on him to come to a conclusion on him, but I think he's going to be good in the scoring department. Um, I would have to. Do you know his three point numbers? I uh, shot 40 percent from three last season. All right. Well, see, yeah, that's good. If he, if he's good off ball, that's y'all need spacing. I think right. that's y'all need spacing. Y'all need athleticism. And I think that's what held y'all back. In my personal opinion, this uh, last year, I felt like sometimes y'all were too reliant on Oscar. And then if Grady wasn't hitting shots, that was big. If Grady was, if Grady was hitting shots, y'all were on fire. Y'all could have won the national championship. Right. Y'all had the talent. And then, so yeah. But overall, it's a it's a nice class. I want to see if y'all still poach the transfer portal for some more guys. I don't know how many scholarship spots y'all still have open. Um, maybe how, do you know? Uh, uh, I think we're still waiting on an official decision from Jacob Toppin, but I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it's a foregone conclusion he's coming back. Um, and yeah. then Keon Brooks is in the transfer portal, but he's definitely gone because Antonio Reeves has already taken his uh, jersey number. So you know, Keon Brooks is gone. There's no question about that. Um, and then we're still, of course, waiting to see what happens with Shaden Sharp. I think everybody knows what's going to happen with Shaden Sharp, but. Uh, yeah, I think we still have like one or two spots open. Yeah, Sharp Sharp's definitely not coming back, but it's nah. it's sad because I wanted to see him play, and I'm sure every Kentucky fan wanted like before even like he stepped foot, like he was still at Dream City. I was like, this dude, like we throw out the term generational uh, loosely, not not we you and but like just NBA draft community, but I really feel like. Talent wise and ceiling wise, this dude is could be up there with like the Jason Tatum's, up there with the Luka Doncic of the of the world. Like he has that 
in his bag. He has the the traits, tools, the measurables. Like I'm I'm all in on him. And it, like I said, it's crazy that we never got to see him play. Right. He yeah. he definitely would have been beneficial to the round. He could have at least played like 15 minutes. Right. Something to provide a spark. Yeah, we had a conversation about that on the pod the other day about, um, you know, I can guarantee that if Shaden Sharp was playing, we wouldn't have lost to St. Peter's. Like, that's that's a, a foregone conclusion that would not have happened. So, it's very unfortunate we didn't get to see him uh, at UK. I still wish him the best, you know. Some Kentucky fans are bitter about it, and they're going to, you know, hate on the kid for the rest of his career. But that's not the case with me. I know a lot of this stuff was out of his control. Um, and, you know, he, he wants to play in the NBA. That's his dream. Um, you know, his dream growing up wasn't to play for UK. His dream was to go to the NBA. And if, if that can happen right now, he's going to do it. But uh, looking back at, you know, some of the recruits, um, like you 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 made that Drew Holiday comparison to Casey Wallace. And I saw that comp the other day and the, a light just went off in my head. Like that is exactly who Casey Wallace is. He is that, that strong, broad-shouldered, you know, he's kind of pretty built for a guard, very strong. Uh, his body is like already college ready and NBA ready, I would say. Um, I think most people's concerns with Kaysen is the question mark about, is he going to be able to shoot the ball? Because like you said, the spacing is going to be a problem um, if we don't you know, figure some things out. Because as of right now, our starting lineup projects to be Severe Wheeler, Kaysen Wallace, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, Oscar Shibway. That's going to be our most likely our starting five. And in that starting five, the only surefire shooter is Antonio Reeves and we don't know how he's going to handle that step up in competition so um, from what you've looked at because I've scouted Case in a good bit as well and I don't know how confident I am with his three-point shot because I don't know if he uh, wants to shoot the three as much it seems like he likes to he likes to get in there he likes the contact he likes his floater um, it doesn't seem like the three-point shot is something that he wants to take all the time so are you convinced that you know he's not going to be a liability from beyond the arc no, I don't think he's going to be a liability. I've, I've seen him, like, he prefers the mid-range, like the floater game mid-range, but I've seen him hit tough shots, having the willingness. Like, he's not scared to take the three, and the mechanics is all right. So I, I think he'll be good enough. I think he could be like a 36%, 30, 35, 36, 37, in that range type of outside shooter. I'm not scared. There's nothing, to, like, for me to doubt that his ceiling as a shooter. Right. Because – you think about it like mid-range shooters, they'll expand to the outside. Like they're if you're comfortable in that outside area, like you're just not always going to the basket, but you're you're comfortable taking jumpers in general, like you're gonna be you're gonna be okay from the outside. So I I'm com but I think I'd rather have him on on the ball. I don't think like I know Severe Willer is gonna going to be the point guard, but if we're talking about like what's Kaysen's true position. Now that that's something like we've seen, like the Drew Holiday comp, like he's better as a point guard, but he can play the two guard. It's just things like that. I I just nitpicking. So I want to see how Coach Kyle like does uh with who handles the rocket in certain situations because Kaysen has that it factor too. Like you need a bucket and clutch uh, situations. I've seen him on multiple occasions do it. So it's like. All right, I want him having the ball. I don't want Severe Wheeler. Like, I know he's not gonna shoot. If I need a a, a like a a basket off the bounce, Casey. So, right. so right. I, I just want to see. 
I think that might have been slightly an issue with us this year as well. Ty Ty Washington's true position was point guard, and we had him playing off ball. So I'm worried it might be a similar situation. I mean, Ty Ty still might be a lottery pick. You know, it's not like we completely killed his stock, but um, Coach Cal tends to do that sometimes. He likes to play the three guard lineups, and guys who are typically pure point guards are playing off ball. You know, we've seen it happen with like Isaiah Briscoe in the past. We had him playing the three, and like he, Isaiah Briscoe was a pure one. So you know, it's it's situations like that where. Um, you know, Coach Cal's coaching tends to be a little bit weird when it comes to just who's playing in what positions. He likes his guys to be able to play multiple positions. And I do think if Ty Ty was running the pure point for us last season, we might have, you know, had a little bit more success. The one game he played pure point guard, he had 17 assists against Georgia. So it was like uh, it's a little concerning to think about, you know, what what was our ceiling with Ty Ty as the point. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Kaysen doesn't get limited like that. And I hope because like comparing him and Ty Ty, you know, I think we all know that Kaysen is just a better player overall, but do you feel like Kaysen could be similar or better than Ty Ty offensively? Or do you think Ty Ty was just more of an offensive player than Kaysen as, as of a college situation? Mm, I think Ty Ty is better off of, like set actions. I like how he was coming off of like down screens, uh, or like you know, curls, and he was he'll be fluid in a shot. I think one Kaysen's better on ball, Ty Ty was better off ball in terms of like scoring. But Ty Ty is like you said, is a true point guard in nature. And you said the Georgia game, LSU game, when Wheeler. When he got uh he ran into Afton Reed, right? Mm -hmm, he got that the screen. Yep. And then Ty Ty kept him in the game, right? We went with this pass. Well, I thought and Ty Ty was playing injured that game too. He was playing a little bit banged up, so we didn't even get to see the full the full story there. Yeah, and I just yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I think um, but if we're talking in terms of reads too, like I think Ty Ty's a better passer. Now I'm saying so I said Ty Ty's better off ball, but I think his reads, his passing is is better too. But I, I trust Kaysen better on the ball. That if that makes a little bit more yeah, sense. No, it makes sense. Um, and then looking at, I know you know you're not feeling the Chris Livingston hype, and so what what I'll ask you: Do you remember uh, kind of the situation with Khalil Whitney and Cameron Fletcher, those two guys at UK? Do you remember that that situation? I know Whitney, he didn't even play, and Cameron wanted PT, and so he basically didn't play either, right? That's what happened? Well, Whitney actually played half the season, um, but he just wasn't very good. Um, but that the reason I bring those two guys up is because they were both super athletic wings who came in with a lot of hype, you know, both five-star you know, five prospects. I think Whitney was a top 10, top 15 guy. Um, and so I'm wondering if you think – that might be a similar situation with Chris Livingston as just an uber athletic wing. I think he is more polished uh, overall than those guys were. Um, you know, Fletcher, he had an okay season at Florida State this year, and then Khalil Whitney ended up like trying to go pro, and then it just kind of flamed out for him. So, yeah. um, but I feel like Chris Livingston just has more 
pro potential. Um, I was worried about his shot, but then watching some of these uh, games he was in and watching, you know, some of his highlights, I was kind of surprised that he was an actually decent shooter. It seems like he's improved on that big time. Um, so do you think there's a possibility Chris could come out and be like a high, a high contribution guy for us? Because um, I've seen there's some rumors saying that coach Cal's considering playing him as a small ball four um, to give us some more spacing because, you know, they just don't, think that Toppin's going to be ready when it comes to shooting. And like I said, Reeves will be the only shooter in that starting lineup. So do you, do you see him plugging as a, as a small ball forward to kind of try to stretch the floor a little bit? Uh, no, like I, I think he's, I think he's undersized. Um, like he just looks small. Like I know he, he, he has like an NBA body, but he just looks small on the court. So if you play him at the four, you're asking a lot of Oscar to be, uh, rim protector, and you would have to have Livingston's defensive motor like tick up. And from when I watched him play at Oak Hill, it was like he was just out there, and it seemed like like he would make some athletic plays here and there. But I don't think he fully bought in. Maybe it was a coaching thing. Maybe it was just you know. It's so I think defense is all mental and all effort. So if Coach Kyle is going to play him at the small ball. For he needs to buy in defensively. That's where he'll make his true mark, and that's where the scouts would be like, "Okay, he he's playing defense. He's playing out of position. The shot looks good. The uh, athleticism. Um, do I think he'll have success if he's there? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a lot in play. Like it, things can happen, and we may not expect it. So. But I, I wouldn't put him there. I, I think he's more of like a, a two. Like, oh wow. I think I think like a two three, like in that in that, but four, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I just I I've been hearing that kind of floating around, so I just wanted to see, you know, how you felt about that that uh potentially happening. And then um just to you know Quick little little talk about Adutiero one more time. Um, I I have come up with this, like it might be a little too out there, uh, but I've kind of compared his situation to uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. He was a guy who flew under the radar. Um, he was the lowest ranked recruit in his class. He was a four star uh, coming in, and Adutiero actually got bumped up to a four star in the final twenty four seven rankings. Um, so, you know, how would you feel, or do you, I know you said you didn't look too much into him. I mean, nobody really has, cause he kind of came out of nowhere, but, uh, I think, you know, as a six, five combo guard, he's got the broad shoulders. He's got the long arms. He's got the smooth game, similar to Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I think that one of two things is going to happen. He's either going to come in and he's going to surprise everybody and have a Shea Gilgis Alexander type season where he's like, okay, this guy was way more ready than we thought he would be or he's barely going to see the floor because he's just not ready. But I think, you know, you're going up against Case and Wallace. You're getting guarded by a guy like Case and Wallace every day in practice. That's going to make you – that's going to, you know, streamline your your development as an offensive player, I would think. So um, do you think that's a solid comp, or do you think that we just don't know enough about him yet to, to make a comp like that? Uh, I mean, from what I've seen, it, w- it wouldn't be surprising. Like I said, basketball – to be successful in basketball, I think like as a as a key contributor, you have to have a certain swagger. Like it's it's just more than uh X's and O's and just like if you could put the ball in the basket, do you have like swagger? I think at Kentucky to win a chip, the players had swagger. The the successful teams had swagger. They were out there having fun, they had skill, 
I think he has skill. And going again, like you said, Kaysen, learning under Wheeler as a, a point guard, if if you guys decide to stick him as a, a point guard in the future, I think that will benefit. I do want to watch more film on my end, but I think he, he could be a key contributor. Um, I like what they said he's 6'5". They that, said he's 6'5", and that he's projected to uh, – t- they're saying that it, uh, his doctors think he's going to grow to 6'8". Which nine, is, I think, feet. part of his upside. Yeah, because didn't, didn't Shay's uh, size, like, like they didn't get a little bit taller? I think when we signed him, he was 6'4", and by the time he arrived on campus or by the time he, like, saw the court, he was 6'6". Six, six. Mm. Yeah, I, I got to see – I got. I definitely have to see more, so I don't want to tell you something I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I just want to run that by you because that's kind of a theory I've come up with. Is maybe Coach Cal saw a little bit of that in him because he's just another guy who flew under the radar. You know, it's not like like it's not typical of Coach Cal to sign a guy who has zero stars. You know what I mean? Like when we offered him, he was completely unranked everywhere. So it's like I feel like he must have seen something to to kind of push that narrative in his head but uh anyway to push the conversation on a little bit um can the nba draft is coming up soon the the lottery was tonight um and it, as it stands right now ty ty washington is really the only key contributor from kentucky that will be in this draft i know you like ty ty a lot but um i think kellen grady is also going to try to get in there uh, he most likely won't get drafted but um i just want to kind of your, your thoughts on ty ty obviously you know talk a little bit about shaden uh despite the fact he didn't play for us he's still kind of going in as a Kentucky player, you know, uh, when they call his name, they're going to call him from Kentucky. And then um, do you think guys like Kellen Grady or maybe even Keon Brooks could somehow find their way uh, picking up a contract as an undrafted free agent? Um, well, to talk about Ty Ty, I feel like the injury definitely derailed some of the, the major progress that he was making. And it was unfortunate to see that because it not only hampered his draft stock, but it hampered you guys' tournament chances because I felt like he was basically playing on one ankle or mm-hmm. something. Um, but I felt like watching him before that, right, so following him in high school and when it was like COVID time, he was taking over for AZ Compass. Like he put AZ Compass on the map. And I seen him as a scorer. And then – I thought he was a point guard, right? And then I seen him do what he did as a playmaker, passing the ball, advanced reads, just knowing where, like, the roll man's going to be there, the kick out man. Like, he under, he undersized, un, he understands spacing, which I think is big. And he's perfect off the catch and shoot. Now, his size uh, may be a limitation for him. He's a little bit undersized, and he's like a – I say a tweener, so some teams don't know if they're going to stick them primarily on the ball or off the ball. Um, I I would still take that top 20 chance on him. I do. I am confident in him. Like, whether it is off the bench as a quality contributor or, like, as a starter, but you will need a pair if you do have them as a starter. Like, i seen Atlanta or the Knicks. Like, I feel like those are bad destinations for him. He need he needs to be in a a thriving developmental market. Now I would have to like look into it and see who where what's a perfect fit. But like I feel like that's the best situation for him. I feel like he has the chops to be a, a NBA player for 
10 plus years. It's just about fit. That's really all the, the draft is. And like he has, I seen, like I said, following him in high school, I know he has the, the willingness and I, and him playing on the injury in Kentucky where he could have just said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, right. I'm a, I'm a bank on my chances of team seeing this out of me. I know I have a, a security of getting drafted high, but he kept playing and it ended up lowering it. But I'm high on him, top twenty. Wouldn't overthink it, and it's it's about fit. So he does everything offensively right, but defensively, I like that he gets it. He gets active. He actually tries. He active hands on defense. Keeps his hands like where it needs to be. He's instinctive, smart. I just I love players with high IQ, and he plays both ends with high IQ. So, like I said, don't overcomplicate it. Top twenty. Um, Keon Brooks. I don't. I wouldn't even. I don't think he's an NBA player. If we're just being honest, but you never know. You you, you just agree. never know. And the Grady thing is like. My thing with like shooters, and we're seeing it with Duncan Robinson. He's not even touching the court at for Miami anymore. But he did get that contract, and there's a premium on shooters. If you can shoot, if I'm paying you to shoot, shoot. That's all you got to do right. and play defense. Now, I didn't really nitpick when watching Kentucky, oh, this is what Kellen Grady's doing on defense. So maybe you can fill me in on how you feel it how he is as a defender. But if we're talking pure offense from what I've seen, he relocates, he moves well, finds the open spot. So I, I if he if he's a consistent knockdown shooter, that's cool. But you let me know how he is defensively. If you if I don't think he was uh I don't think he was a negative on the defensive side, but I definitely think he's he doesn't have much lateral quickness. He's not a guy who's going to like if you put De'Aaron Fox on him or one of the quicker guards in the NBA, I'm not so sure he'd be able to to stop a guy like that consistently. I just don't think he he moves well enough um, on that side, you know, when it when it comes to being an on-ball defender. But I don't think he was a negative. I think there was a couple backdoor cuts, uh, especially against St. Peter's, that kind of hurt us and is part of the reason we lost. I think he got lost on a couple of those. Um, so I don't think he's like a great defensive player. But I think when you when you mention a guy like Duncan Robinson, it's similar. Duncan Robinson is not a good defender whatsoever, but he's he's you know, he got that big contract and then just look at some of the other guys on the heat, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Those are some other guys who are just, they were really just there to shoot and not be a negative on defense. And I think Kellen Grady is a similar guy. And then going back to what he did at Davidson, he was a pure scorer. He wasn't just a shooter. He was a guy, he averaged 17 points per game over four years. So we kind of just used him as a spot up shooter. And I think he might be a little bit more than that offensively. Yeah. So, I mean, second round, that's perfect. If, like if a team is looking for shooting, it doesn't hurt to take because most of the second rounders they don't, you know, we're gonna stick them in the G League or we're not even gonna give them a chance. Right. So if a yeah, if a team needs shooting, I I say why not? And then yeah. now, like I said, defense is all about effort and the mental aspect. If if you could coach him, if you could get him to buy in, you know, well, I I believe in a second round draft pick for him. But other than that, I'd say top five, Shaden Sharp, potentially number one. Um, but the Magic had the first pick, so wouldn't make sense. I mean, but um, Ty Ty top twenty and Grady, uh, second round, and that 
that's it. Wouldn't overcomplicate anything else. Keon Brooks, I'm I'm not really high on. No, and I think he'll end up coming back to college and going somewhere else. I think he he's probably pretty aware he's not getting picked up. And, you know, before we move on to the next topic, I, just to touch on Keon, I don't want to, you know, hate on the guy too much. But I think, yeah. you know, the Kentucky – Kentucky fans, some Kentucky fans um, think that he should have come back to UK and stuff. But I personally think he he reached his ceiling as a player at UK. I think he was a mid range jump shooter for us, and he was you know a solid defender. Um, but he he was a guy who I just don't think would have fit on next year's roster. We need to get guys like Damian Collins and Jacob Toppin some more run at the four. So losing Keon, you know, some people are upset about that. Some people don't like Keon and they wanted him to go. You know, obviously I like any guy at UK, but I do think him moving on was probably the best bet. Do you think you think he goes down? Like he he go he's like he's not gonna go to a, another blue blood, for instance. What I'm saying, like for think, example, uh, go ahead. No, yeah, you good? Go ahead. I was going to say, like, Matthew Mayer's – the rumor is Baylor to North Carolina. That makes sense because he's right. that type of player. Keon Brooks, I'm I'm asking you, do you feel like he's going to go to, like, a, a a power six school? So, like, Big East, Big Ten, ACC, or is he going to go down to, like, a mid-major and make his mark there? Well, I think if you're a two, two to three-year starter at UK, you're going to be looked at by some big teams. Like, regardless of who you are as an M- – how, regardless of how he projects as an NBA player, I think he can help pretty much any big name program. But um, from what we're looking at, I think Iowa and Washington are his two, like the two that are kind of looking at him the most right now. And so those make sense. You know, those are those are some still some high power five schools, but they're not Kentucky. They're not Kansas. They're not Duke, North Carolina. Like, I don't think he goes laterally. I don't think he goes to another blue blood, but I do think he's good enough. Like as a college player, I think he would help – any team, any uh, like anyone would take a guy who started at three year, three years at UK. I feel like so. Um, but do you feel like you guys haven't been pulling in? In my opinion, the classes like of the past. Like I feel right. like Duke Duke got that right now. Yeah, they they're pulling in all every five star right. So I'm saying, do you do you feel like y'all haven't had the necessary talent to where it is? He's a two to three year starter. Why he's getting given this opportunity? Cause I feel like you guys could get back on track with the amount of players having y'all in their final list that I've seen. But then it's like, for instance, like the S the SEC is getting harder to recruit. LSU, everybody thought, oh, they have all these open roster spots. They're still pulling in guys. Florida got a new coach. They're pulling in guys. We know about Arkansas, Alabama. Tennessee, right? Justin Edwards. He has y'all in y'all final list. But from what I've seen, I I, I seen he did an in-home visit with Kentucky, but they're not pushing for him. Tennessee is leading right now, leading for his signature. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you guys aren't making the necessary push for these top-notch players, you're going to be desperate for talent, which then players, like I'm not hating, but then players like Keon Brooks is a two- to three-year starter. So do you just feel like Y'all been devoid of talent recently to where these type of players are getting the PT. I think the weird thing is like Keon was a five star coming in. He was a top 20 recruit. Like he wasn't like an unknown guy. He wasn't a four star. And then like guys like Damian Collins, I I think in one uh, in one recruiting service, he finished top 10 in last year's recruiting class. And then he just ended up not being ready. So I don't feel like 
I mean, we're not getting Anthony Davis's anymore and we're not getting John Wall anymore and guys like that. Like, yeah, but I still feel like we've had the talent there. You know, I mean, in last season's recruiting class, we landed Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark, who were both top five recruits, consistent top five recruits. And then, of course, that season just completely went off the rails. But like we're it's it's just we're in this weird no man's land where we're landing high caliber recruits, but it's not quite the guys we were getting before. So I do think that a guy like Keon probably in the past wouldn't have been a two to three year starter, but I still don't think, you know, he was a high caliber recruit. He was a McDonald's all American. Like he, he was a guy who was highly touted. So it's just a weird, this, this weird like situation where we're not getting the superstars that we used to. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about there. We're not getting the guys that Duke's getting and stuff like that. Do you think it's the turnover rate of the assistants? Because I seen y'all just lost Jai Lucas, right? That's yeah, man. Yeah, that and one. that one hurt because he he recruited Kaysen, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there was some concern that Kaysen would leave, but then Kaysen kind of cleared that up. He was like, "No, nah, I'm still coming." But um, yeah, losing Jay Lucas to Duke. I mean, at first, Coach Cal came out and he was like, "Yeah, Jay Lucas took a promotion," but then it turns out that. Jay Lucas has the exact same job at Duke that he had at UK. So he basically just left UK for Duke with no promotion, no increase in salary. Like he just didn't want to be here. He just wanted to go to Duke. So yeah, that one hurt for sure. So who who's our lead recruiter now? Probably Orlando Antigua. Mm. And I, mean, I he, know he was our lead recruiter in some of our best teams though. So but how how long ago I'm I'm not fresh on this. Uh Kenny Payne, because I know he was he was a big influence in for Kentucky for a minute. How long ago was that? I believe the Emmanuel Quickly team, the Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, Nick Richards team. I think that was the last season he was here. So I think he left after that year, and then the year after he left was last year when we went nine and sixteen. That was our first year without him, and then this year. So yeah, you know, I think we've uh, he's been gone for two seasons. Wow. Yeah. So, so I asked you this before. So, do you do you feel like Louisville is going to rival Kentucky now for the same players? Do you feel like it's going to be harder for Coach Cal to pull in his guys? Right. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's definitely a big concern. You know, we can use that to kind of segue into the next part about the 2023 recruiting class. We can just start it off with the DJ Wagner situation because DJ Wagner for the last three years has been a, a, a lock to UK. Like everyone has kind of looked at DJ Wagner as, yeah, he's coming to Kentucky. There's no doubt in anyone's mind. And then Kenny Payne gets hired. And then all of a sudden the conversation shifts very drastically. And Kenny Payne is one of those guys who is going to just magnetize and bring guys in because of just who he is as a coach. He's a great coach. He's a great developer of talent. You know, he's got NBA um, coaching experience and, and, you know, he was the assistant coach through all the best years of Kentucky's, you know, dominance for a little while there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that hurts. And if we lose DJ Wagner to Louisville, I think that's going to sting more than anything that's happened on the recruiting trail over the last, however many years we've lost a lot of recruits to Duke, a lot of recruits to all these random schools, but I think losing, DJ Wagner to Louisville of all places would, would definitely sting the most. So he is bringing in some talent. You know, I've had some people, including you before, you know, before we had this conversation, I've had some people ask, you know, are you scared of Louisville? Are you scared of Kenny Payne, you know, potentially turning them into a powerhouse and kind of like, you know, taking over the rivalry. And I'd say I'm not really scared, but I am, 
concerned on a specific level just because we know firsthand as a fan base how important and impactful Kenny Payne is to a program. So we'll see what he can do as a head coach. You know, we haven't seen him on the court, you know, with his guys calling all the plays, calling all the sets. We haven't seen that yet. So there's no real way to know how that's going to go. But, you know, on the recruiting trail and, and in terms of developing talent, you know, that does cause a little bit of concern for sure. So you feel like losing DJ Wagner will be will indirectly put Coach Cal on I wouldn't say the hot seat, but like under more scrutiny, like if he doesn't get the job, if he doesn't win the chip in let's say the next three years. Yeah. I know well, you, fan, you you guys are impatient. Like this year was like and we talked about it like that that's un, inexcusable losing to St. Peter's, even yeah. the magnificent run that they did, like it's inexcusable. So it's like, how do you how you feel about that? I'm sorry, my mic just unplugged. What was the last sentence you said? Oh, I, I was I said uh, I was saying like the it was inexcusable that St. Peter's uh, y'all lost to them, and I'm wondering, Coach Cal, if he doesn't get DJ Wagner, um, does that indirectly put him on the hot seat, more scrutiny from the fan base to, yeah, you gotta win. If you don't win, you're out. Well, I'm not I'm not sure how obvious it is to people outside of Kentucky's fan base, but mm, I would say a vast majority of the UK fan base is like borderline fed up with Coach Cal. Like it's uh, it's been happening for the last few years now when it comes to losing those top notch recruits that we used to get. You know, there's been some obvious flaws in his coaching and some stuff that he's refused to adapt to. He's typically very hostile towards the the fan base. You know, he like he likes to make jokes in the press conferences about how, oh yeah, the fans think they know more than me and stuff like that. So I think there's already been a little bit of animosity building up. But then you have last season happen where we go nine and sixteen. And, you know, it's the worst season in, in school history, you know, and then you promise everybody, I, I showed this last episode, but here's this yearbook for this season's team. Right. And it says rethink, retool, revenge. And this was after last season, he said, enjoy your time. Now, next year is going to come soon enough. John Calipari after the 2021 season. So he basically promised next season, we're going to start running through people. You know, we're going to get our revenge for such a bad season. And then we end up losing to St. Peter's. So it was like all that talk, all that hype building back up right after going nine and 16. And then we lose to a school nobody's heard of in the first round of the tournament. So yeah, no, nah, the animosity is already there, I feel like. And so if we start losing guys like DJ, who's supposed to be a surefire Kentucky lock, and, you know, if Kenny Payne starts beating us and, uh, you know, he starts stealing recruits from us and, and all these things happen and we don't win. Like, I would say, you know, we're not too ridiculous. If we make it to at least the Elite Eight next season, I feel like we'll all feel like things are starting to get back on track. You know, another Elite Eight appearance, another Final Four appearance, at least let us feel like we're back in the mix because it just feels like everyone's been passing us by. It feels like Duke's far and like by far the number one like destination for these recruits when it used to be us you know and and you look at it like this this past season we beat kansas who won it all by 20 in allen fieldhouse we beat north carolina who was in the championship by 30 so you, you beat the two teams that are in the national championship by a combined 50 plus points and you're looking around like what happened and you know we can blame injuries and, and whatever the case may be, but that just shouldn't happen. You got the national player of the year on your team and you lose to St. Peter's in the first round. So the animosity is already there. People are already calling for his job. I feel like he's already like technically on the hot seat, 
but we gave him a lifetime contract. So we can't fire him because his buyout is ridiculous. So unless he takes another job or retires, I feel like he's here no matter what. So I was about to ask you, like, who would be that person to take over? Like, I feel like due to the NIL and some coaches getting like these lifetime contracts or like, we're going to give you, we're going to invest everything into you. So I'm thinking like, you know, some of these new SEC powerhouses, uh, some Pac-12 schools, uh, Baylor comes to mind. Who who would be like, who do you think? Like if you just had to throw like, who who you think take over this job? Because it's a hard job. Mm-hmm. Do you think anybody's built for it? Or would so, y'all start? I'll go ahead. Oh, sorry. My short list, like before Jay Wright retired, <laughs> was Jay Wright. But I knew, I knew deep down he'd never leave Villanova for any reason. You know, that was his dynasty that he built over there. You know, he was going to retire there. So Jay Wright would have been my ideal pick. But um, now it, it's kind of like I like Scott Drew at Baylor a lot. I like, um, you know, how he's kind of turned things around there, won a championship with them last year. I feel like if they weren't injured this year, they would have made a much deeper run in the tournament. Um, so I feel like he had them in a position to be successful this year. So I like him. I don't think he like he recruits at a decent level, um, but he would definitely have to kind of like I feel like you have to recruit at a high level now. After Coach Cal leaves, we can't like we can't see a ma- major drop off in recruiting. We're gonna have to still land some of these high level guys. Um, so Scott Drew's on that list. I'm waiting to see what Eric Musselman does at Arkansas. You know, he had a really good run this year. His roster build, you, you can just tell people want to play for him. He's a young, eccentric coach. Um, you know, he's recruiting really well. He's talking to every player in the transfer portal. It seems like Eric Musselman is doing whatever it takes to win. Um, so a young guy like that, like imagine Coach Cal leaves and Musselman is kind of just getting into his prime or about to hit his prime, and he comes, takes over Kentucky. Like, that guy has the potential to be the U.K. coach for, for decades, um, you know, similar to what Coach K maybe did with, with Duke and stuff. I'm not saying that's what would happen, but it could be a similar situation where you grab a young coach and he stays there for a long time. So I think my top two would be Scott True and Eric Musselman, but I could also see, you know, if Billy Donovan doesn't have much success at, with the Bulls anymore and say he gets let go or whatever, I think we've always been looking at him even before coach Cal came we wanted Billy Donovan and then maybe Brad Stevens if we could pluck him out of the Celtics office that's been a name that's floated around but I think Scott Drew and Eric Musselman would be the most likely situation you want to you want to uh do a in in-house somebody that's played for the program somebody that connects well with players I feel like the biggest thing for players to commit nowadays is like that that comfortability like Oh, he's he's a players coach. We see that in the NBA, all the all the new head coaches extracting the best out of their players because they know how to talk to them. It's not it's not always X's and O's. Like basketball is deeper than the surface level stuff. It's a lot of behind the stuff scene. So I was just yeah, I was just wondering what what your thoughts were because I had the same feelings about my own program. I won't say their name. Um, (laughs) No, you can, bro. You can talk. uh, Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was I was skeptical of the UNC hire, but you know we got to the national championship, so we'll and we're supposed to be back back next year, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, well, when you mention like an in-house hire and stuff, and and kind of looking like for a players coach, I do think a guy like Eric Musselman fits that bill. I feel like so. Uh, you know, if we were to do something in-house, like everyone kind of expected Jay Lucas to be that guy where he was going to cook on the bench, you know, next to next to Coach Cal for a few years, learn the ropes. And he's a young, 
talented, eccentric coach. Who, I mean, that guy's going to be a head coach one of these days. Like, I feel like that's a foregone conclusion with Jay Lucas. So everyone kind of thought that that was what was happening was he was kind of just the coach in waiting kind of. And then he just leaves for Duke with like almost no warning. And it's like, okay, I guess that's out the window. So, you know, looking at former players, I, I mean, I feel like a guy like Tyler Ulis could fit that. Uh, description but he's a little young still you know he's still in his early 20s so that's not even but that's kind of similar to what uh, Duke did with Shire and he's very young Um, he hasn't been you know out of college for that long Uh, so you know I don't I I really couldn't name a guy who I think we would immediately look at when it comes to former players but yeah I could definitely see um, you know that being an option as well but um Pushing into kind of looking at this 2023 recruiting class, I wanted to kind of see your thoughts. I know uh, is let's see, is Gigi Jackson in this? Because I know you're a big Gigi Jackson fan. Is he in the 2023 class? Yeah, yeah, he's 2023. He's my one A right now. And he's a North Carolina commit right now, so I know you're happy about that. But uh, you know, looking at the rest of this 2023 class, you know, we know that Kentucky's looking at guys like DJ Wagner. You know, we've been mentioned in the Kwame Evans discussion. Um, I know Mookie, Mookie Cook was kind of – we were looking at him. He ended up at Oregon. Um, I think for a while we were looking at Matas Buzelis, uh, Rob Dillingham. I think everyone kind of looks at Rob Dillingham as a backup option if DJ Wagner ends up not coming. Um, and then I know Ron Holland is like a big name that uh, has kind of come out lately. And then you mentioned Justin Edwards earlier, and it seems like he's going to probably end up at um, – Tennessee. I saw that report as well. So, you know, how do you feel just as, uh, how do you feel about this 2023 class as a whole? Because me personally, I think this is one of the stronger classes we've seen in a while, just from, you know, at least looking at the top like 25, 30 recruits. I feel like there's just so much star power in this class. Um, So how do you feel about some of these guys? And then how do you feel about Kentucky's chances with some of these guys and and that, you know, how that fit would work out? Um, I have, I have my own personal rankings. Like I GG is my number one six eight power forward. I think once he develops the defensive tools, he could be a small ball five, but he's great on the wing, put the ball on the floor. I love his back to the basket, can shoot. He he reminds me a little bit more like he's an offensively like Bam, what Bam's doing now, being more comfortable with the rock. I could see him having that same type of trajectory. Um, I'm big on Ron Holland. I think Anthony Black, who's at Arkansas, his success really hinged on Ron Holland. I think Ron Holland's super dynamic on both both ends of the floor. Um, I think he's he's my one B. Um, DJ would be my my third player. I like his confidence, shot making ability, leadership. He does he does all the winning things. Mackenzie Mbaka, great shooter. Kwame Evans, I'm not really big on. I think he's a good outside shooter, but I got to see, like, more from him this upcoming season. Uh, But Rob Dillingham, if y'all get him, I think the Kentucky fan base will be content because he's pretty good in, like, the social media stratosphere. Like, everybody knows who he is. Right. It's like DJ and him. Like, everybody knows. So, I think getting – him, one of them, or even both, which may be possible, that will be good for the fan base, just a culture thing. Um, I think his shot creation, and he has that it factor too. I think defensively it may be hard 
on him. I don't think he ever becomes a plus defender, but I think he gives you enough offensively, like just winning plays on offense. Um, I think he's he's more of a two guard though, a small two. Um, who do I think you guys could get? Um, let me check real quick who you guys. Uh, like I said, Justin Edwards, I don't think is coming to y'all. Um, well, I like Reed Shepard. I think that's I what think I was going to ask you about. Reed Shepard, he he's crazy. He he reminds me he reminds me a little bit of Devin Booker, in terms oh, wow. of like the the fluidity on offense. Like just watching him play uh, grassroots these last two years, like I I think he has the chops. And he he's in state, right? In state. Yeah. Yep. And his dad actually yeah. played for UK. Jeff Shepard played for Kentucky, so he's a legacy recruit as well. Yeah, he he needs to get the keys on offense as soon as he touches down. I think all all the signs say he's gonna be a, a star. I think he's gonna go to the league. He I think he's underrated. I think he's closer to being a top fifteen than I think he's like low twenties, thirties. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, I I'm very high on him. Like just catch and shoot s- smooth mid range. Like I think the mid range is his bread and butter. And then he's like it's like the stigma, like white athletes aren't athletic, but he's like at like athletic, like he can right. get it done. And yeah, I'm just, I I really love his game. Um, but who who are some? Do you have some names like you? I I think if y'all get DJ, y'all y'all get Aaron Bradshaw too. So that's mm-hmm. DJ at the one, Reed two, Bradshaw five, and then you fill out the roster any other way. I think right. that's a pretty good haul of a class right there. I wouldn't be mad at that. Just those three guys, yeah. That'd be, I mean, and I think the the thirst from the fan base to land a number one guy again, like we landed Shaden, but then he didn't end up playing for us. It has been, I think, Scalabus year in 2016 was the last one number one recruit we landed. So it's it's you know it's been kind of tough goings when it comes to landing elite recruits for us lately. So I think landing DJ is huge, but do you think a guy like Rob Dillingham could replace what we would be getting from DJ? Like say DJ goes to Louisville and we get Rob Dillingham as kind of like a secondary option. When I scout Dillingham, I kind of see a little bit of Darius Garland in his game. Maybe, you know, kind of like, I think they're both six, one, six, two, you know, good with the ball in their hands, solid offensively. So do you think landing a guy like Dillingham would, kind of help ease the pain of losing DJ or do you think DJ is just a much better prospect overall? Yeah, I think I think DJ is leaps and bounds better than him because I feel like DJ he he offers more. I was surprised with his playmaking ability and making others better, being able to run the pick and roll. I don't think Rob is as gifted as a passer. I think he's intent his intent on offense is to score. So if if you want a team that can run run some sets, be offensively like good on both ends, like okay, I think DJ can run the he can run the offense. But if we're talking about go give me a bucket too, he could do that. But I don't think Rob is able to do that. And I just don't like his situation playing for Donda. It's like it's not fluid. It's no structure to it. Like right. um, when I watch Camden, where DJ's at, and it, it is structure. So I think it's like little things like that. Um, I don't think he's like I say. I don't think he's a good uh lead ball handler. So you would have to get somebody to play the one. Hopefully somebody sticks from like the previous class, or you you go out in the transfer market. 
Do you think Reed so, could run the one, maybe? Do you think that's in his skill set, or is he just more off-ball? I think he's more off-ball. Okay. More. Like, he, he he's like a go-to scorer from what I've seen. And I, I actually watched, like, uh, a couple of, like, his Kentucky clips, like, his high school clips. And it was just surprising, like, tough shots, tough shots. I don't think you need two tough shot makers on off-ball. You need somebody to run the point, have some structure. So, I think – from a from a fan base like the casual fan, they'll be oh we got Rob top ten recruit, super score high social media profile, but I I think it's like DJ Wagner or Bust. Right. To be and honest, I've had some like when I go live on TikTok, I have some fans who will kind of like some Kentucky fans who will ask me, you know, what do you think about us landing Rob? You know, like it looks like we're in the discussion for Rob Dillingham, so you know, is that a good fit? And Personally, from what I know about the kid, you know, you, you can't really judge a guy's character off of just what you see online. But it seems like he is very, uh, you know, invested in the social media presence. He is very invested on like having the, the spotlight on him and stuff like that. Whereas DJ, he's such a quiet guy. He won't even talk about his recruitment most of the time. He just wants to hoop. Um, you know, DJ to me just seems like a much more quiet, humble kid who, who's just I feel like that fits the Kentucky bill because I can't remember the last time we got a player who was very uh you know hey all eyes on me kind of like a you know a rob dillingham or a mikey williams type those those social media guys who who just like that type of attention i kentucky just doesn't go after guys like that that's usually whenever there's a guy like that we just don't even go after them um so i i am not i'm not feeling great about the rob stuff and it's like you don't hear much about reed shepherd talking about his game and him him having a high profile i feel like all right you got the commitment from a, a legacy commit right and he's sticking his nose down and crushing grassroots the high school scene and you want players with the winning mentality dj reed and reed that's that's perfect now you have title aspirations you have players that i know are going to compete night in night out they're going to be mad if we lose right versus like robin not saying this is who he is as a player i don't know him personally and you know i'm just going off of what i've seen It'll be a different scenario, I think, like versus like if he's at the home and y'all lose, it's more of like maybe it's just about me. Right. Where you yeah, DJ Reed is about the team. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's pivotal towards our future, you know, and towards Kentucky fans being you know, content again, I think a back, like we're already really happy about landing Reed. You know, there's this stigma around coach Cal that he refuses to play Kentucky guys and he doesn't want to recruit Kentucky kids and stuff. And I think that that's such a, it's a false stigma because the only one that only guy that really happened with was Dante Allen and Dante Allen was just like, just not that good. Like he shot 18% from three this season uh, and he's supposed to just be a shooter. He's, he's a liability defensively. So that's why Dante Allen didn't play. But if you look in the past, Darius Miller was a Kentucky kid who played on that national championship, Kentucky team. Uh, Dominique Hawkins and Derek Willis are some guys who have, who have gotten a lot of play time for, for UK who are from Kentucky. So, um, you know, landing a guy like Reed, you know, like you said, he, he doesn't want all that spotlight. You know, he, he didn't draw out his commitment. Once he got the offer, made the visit, he was like, yeah, if you want me, I will be here because the kids always dreamed of playing where his dad played. So, um, you know, I want to land more guys like that. And so looking at that recruiting class, I think if we come out of that class with DJ Wagner, Reed, and then maybe like, like you said, if we get DJ, we'll probably get Aaron Bradshaw. So then, you know, if we maybe just land 
Ron Holland or Matas Buzelis. You know, if we land one of those two guys on top of that big three, I think that that would be it. probably the best class we've had in a really long time. That is a very good class. I'm just scared. Like from what I'm what I'm seeing, I'm thinking Ron Holland might choose the West Coast UCLA package deal with Isaiah Collier, who's out of Georgia, and they both uh, did a visit together. Um, I know it's early, but I'm scared that, like, if I was a Kentucky fan, like, that that would be the case. Like, he has aspirations elsewhere. Now, Buzelis, his recruitment is everywhere. Like, the offers I've seen him get and, like, who's high on him. Like, it was, like, Wake Forest was, like, one of them. I'm, like, I don't know what he's going to do. I've seen uh, North Carolina pop up, and I've seen Duke. I think he has star potential, like, league star potential. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. If y'all get him, if y'all get, if y'all add him on top of the, the other two players, Bradshaw and, uh, DJ now it's when it's, it's win or bust. Like there's, right. cause you're only going to have these players for like one season. I think all of them would enter the draft after that year. So it's like, mm. um, and we talk about 20, uh, 2023. I know I, uh, I just want to say that I'm really high on Damian Collins. I know. He's on. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, I think he's shown flashes of stretching the floor. Um, I just wanted to mention that. I, I think you, you guys are blessed in the sense that he's returning because I know a lot of kids would have copped out and said, oh, I wasn't getting PT as a high-profile recruit. I could have just left. But he's really good. And, yeah, so I just want to touch that subject. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm glad you did because I wanted to get into him a little bit more, but that kind of wasn't really on the uh, on the on the talk list. But um, yeah, I I'm also huge on Damian Collins. We saw in Big Blue Madness last season, um, which is like the little scrimmage we have before the year starts. Uh, he hit a couple threes, like a couple corner threes, and it's like you see a six nine guy with that wingspan knocking down two corner threes in a scrimmage it's like yo like this dude if he can actually do that and that wasn't a fluke then that's big time and then his shot blocking uh, abilities and his shot blocking instincts it seems like he's got like a Isaiah Jackson Anthony Davis type feel when it comes to blocking shots um, which we haven't had a rim protector like that I mean I, we had Isaiah Jackson last year but it, it's not often that we get a rim protector like that so his only issue is, can he be physically ready? Can he handle the physicality of the SEC? That's the only reason he didn't play last year is because he just wasn't ready. We, I remember game one, we put Damian Collins in for literally 30 seconds. He got, he came down with a rebound, got the ball stolen from him, and then they like dunked it on him, and he like hit the ground, and Coach Cal pulled him out. So it was just like that, you know, he just wasn't physically ready for uh, to play for us last year. But if he can put on some weight and become physically ready, I think you're right, Damian Collins, like. Do you think it's a stretch? Because I've been saying this, you know, for a little bit. Do you think it's a stretch that he has lottery potential? No, I don't think so. Uh, I can, like, former tweets, like, I I was saying, like, I was high on him coming into this year. Like, even if he played, like, you know, sporadic minutes, like, teams were going to covet what he offered. Because I've seen, like, high school clips of him, like, look at abnormal, like, Giannis, like, yeah. dunking and, like, I was like, who is this kid? And then he was flying up the rankings, too. And once he committed to Kentucky, it was like a little bit of hype around him. So I was like, yeah, he could definitely go lottery. But like you said, the physicality, I think, is a big thing. But, you know, he, he's a young young man. He's he's going to, like, tone up more. And I think this year is a statement year in terms of 
can he get quality production on the court? And if he can, teams are going to take that chance on him because I've been uh, I've been introduced to this. It's like they said NBA training, regardless if you play or not, is more impactful than like a college training. So I think I think he's definitely lottery material. The outside shot definitely has to be consistent. He could play that stretch for it, like a Jaron Jackson. Yeah. I think that's that's a good outlook for him. So definitely. Awesome. Yeah. So uh and I, I've been trying to get kind of I've been trying to get other Kentucky fans hyped up for Damian Collins for a while. So I'm hoping I'm hoping he does get to produce because I've been kind of talking high on him for for the last few months or since the season's ended, you know, kind of been trying to build the hype train for Damian Collins. I do think he could end up being the starting four at some point this season for Kentucky, which would be big to, you know, have him if he reaches his full potential, the front court of Oscar Sheway and Damian Collins is almost unstoppable like that's his rim protection and his ability to stretch the floor and his athleticism coupled with Oscar's dominance as a rebounder and as a paint scorer and ability to pop out to the mid range that you could have a lottery pick and the national player of the year on the same front court, which would be, so big for us, so I'm. Uh, you, you keep pushing it, please keep pushing it. <laughs> push Damian Collins agenda. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm retweeting, liking, resharing. I'm pushing it too. I'm, I'm, because not only are, are they going to be a formidable duo, but if Reeves and Kaysen are like 36 plus from the outside, and it's not no hesitant. They're not hesitant from the outside, and they're hitting shots like. All you need severe is just to playmate and be a plus defender. And that right there, just fill out the, the bench or you know, develop guys. And right there, that's title. You're you're a year early. Like we said, 2023. Like you're a year early. Now, can I ask you this one uh question too? Do you think yeah. if y'all had Jaden Hardy, right? He was supposed to be in this last class. Do you think mm-hmm. things change? Do you think I'm not sure where he would have fit. I mean, if we had Jaden Hardy coming in, I doubt we would have gone after Kellen Grady in the transfer portal or a guy like that. So I'm not really sure, you know, would Jaden Hardy have been more of a, of a producer for us compared to Kellen Grady? Like, uh, you know, taking a fifth-year senior like Grady, who is already a, a proven high-level scorer at the college level versus Hardy. And as far as I'm aware, Hardy kind of struggled in the G League this year, didn't he? And his stock has kind of slipped. Like, he was – I think – preseason he was a like consensus top five pick and now he's kind of like late first round it it was high then it dropped but then like you know people don't really watch the g league towards like that you know and because of the the preseason overreactions and like what he what he offers like okay he's a really good scorer but what is that what does that mean you gotta offer something else but then he eventually incorporated his numbers started to get better you could look at the like the first ten games, last ten games. He his numbers started to get better, shooting splits, and then he became like a a better passer. Like he started to make these reads, these next level reads, because like I said, he's in the NBA s program. They're training right. him, so I think honestly, G League players like if you go G League, there's always that one. And I think that's gonna be Michael Foster who. Who isn't really like you know next level material? But what we seen from the first year, like Jalen Green, Kaminga, uh, Dacia Nix, he was doing good. Like you'll get, you'll get your role. So I think Hardy 
is going to be good. Some team, he's going to fall fall into the right team. I think his is more about fit. So he'll be good. Um, what Do I think he would have offered something good for you guys? Like you said, if, if he stayed, you probably don't get Grady. But let's play the hypothetical of you get both. I don't know how that works out. Um, right. But I think he's dominant on ball. And I don't know how that works with the flow of the offense because Ty Ty, well, like, if you place him off ball, like, if you have Severe as your point guard and Ty Ty's off ball, like, how does that work? Because Hardy needs the ball too. So it's like you you got two people that need the ball plus another sort of. So it's like it is a weird fit. And I think he did make the right decision. I think it benefited both sides. So I was just yeah. wanting to hear your answer on that. Yeah, it's an interesting hypothetical, and I remember really wanting Jaden Hardy, and I was super down when he when he went G League instead because I was really wanting him. But, I mean, we landed Ty Ty super late in that recruiting cycle too, so maybe we don't land Ty Ty if we land Hardy because I don't even think – we only looked at Ty Ty after Nolan Hickman decommitted. So it was like one of those situations where it, it, all these different things happened at once – um, cause Ty Ty was committed to Creighton, I believe when we, you know, or at one point he was committed to Creighton. So it was like, I don't know that, that whole situation was weird. It could have ended up super different. If we'd have landed Hardy, we might not have landed Ty Ty and Grady. So I don't know, but, um, kind of moving into this last topic before we wrap things up, I kind of want to get your opinion on the state of college basketball as a whole next season. Of course, for our listeners, I'd love to hear how you feel Kentucky fits into next year's, uh, conversation as, as a contender. And then like, I know you might not have like an exact top five because we still don't really know how things are going to go, but maybe just like a loose top five teams that you're you're looking at for next year and some guys you expect to break out. Um, on on Kentucky, like I said, you 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 said two roster spots, scholarships, right? That so um, it's still pretty early. It's a it's a lot of good players still in the portal. This transfer portal has turned the whole college basketball world upside down. Um, players moving left and right. So there's still some teams that have some holes and, you know, things can change. Like Tyrese Hunter, he's a big fish and he's making his last two stops. He could go to Texas or Kansas. Like that changes. Kansas could be a repeat. So, and I want to see how teams fill out. But I can tell you, like, I'm high on Houston. Very high on Houston. There, if I, you know, bet, I don't gamble. If I had to, I'm placing my money on them. Be a first-time champ under a great head coach, Kelvin Sampson. I think people need to be aware of what's going on down there, especially Marcus Sasser's been killing it in the, the G League camp that's been happening. If he comes back, I don't know if he is, but if he comes back, even if he doesn't, they still have a really good team. And that's my number one, of course, I'm not as high on Arkansas and Creighton as most people. I think they're still young. I'm actually higher on Creighton than Arkansas. I think Creighton has much more continuity. Um, Arkansas is more potential. They have a lot of NBA players, a lot of good transfers. Um, a lot of things have to work well over there. I, I don't doubt like they they won't be like, terrible but they i don't know if they're going to be the best team in in all of college basketball i just want to see how it clicks first um so i definitely have those two teams um i like Creighton, but i'm not as high on them as other teams i mean other people um i also like to say north carolina my own team we have one last spot um 
I'm pushing for Matthew Mayer. If we get him, that's a perfect replacement Man. for Brady Manic. He's better than um, Manic, I would say. So that would make y'all that would raise your ceiling, I would say. Yeah, because I feel like he got forced into like this role of where the guards were getting injured for Baylor. Uh James Akinjo, James Akinjo, Flagler, and uh I know Langston Love was out for the year. So they needed some scoring from players that aren't really scorers. So that meant Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, Matthew Mary, they had to step up, but that's not that wasn't their role. Right. Um he is better. And I feel like cause we have Caleb Love, RJ Davis, and Baycott commanding the points, like he'll be fine in that role. He just has to play lockdown defense and hit his outside shots. Now, the last spot, uh I don't it's kind of hard. Can you name your five real quick while I think of this last this last five? Yeah, so I'm actually uh, – I've kind of fallen onto the uh, Arkansas hype train a little bit. I just think that the amount of talent, like the fact that they are going to be like borderline 13 deep is kind of crazy. Um, I think – I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet, but I think they're kind of expecting Jalen Williams to come back, and he was one of the better bigs in the SEC. So if he's back, then that's huge for them. Yeah, um, they've got, what, the number two recruiting class coming in. They've already landed a multitude of transfers, um, and then they have a lot of, uh, of talent coming back. So I, I do think I see Arkansas up there as my preseason number one. I remember you pushing the Houston agenda on TikTok a good bit leading up to the tournament. I like that Houston team as well. And, yes, if Marcus Sasser comes back, that, that makes them terrifying. Um, North Carolina is easily top five preseason, uh, just returning the talent they return. I think the weird thing about them is they weren't that good in the regular season with the exact same team. And then they just went on a run in the tournament. But I think that was just them coming together as a team and finally, you know, accepting Hubert, uh, Hubert Davis's coaching and kind of accepting their roles and, and they were hitting their shots. And, uh, I don't know if you saw, I I think I DM'd you when, uh, Armando Baycott commented on my (laughs) TikTok, yeah. yeah, so that was pretty cool. So that kind of, you know, I'm not, a, I don't like UNC obviously as as a rival, but you know, I thought that was really awesome. Um, and then I don't know, I'm high on Kentucky to be honest. Like that might be my homerism, but I think Kentucky is easy preseason top five, uh, especially if we land one more guy, if we get another name in there. I just think that roster with. Damian Collins, Oscar Shibwe, and then a senior Jacob Toppin, and then a senior Severe Wheeler. CJ Frederick is coming back from injury. He's a oh, I forgot about yeah, him. Yeah, he's Iowa. Yep, yep. he's a, he was a forty eight percent three point shooter at Iowa. The dude is just a straight sniper. Um, so him coming off the bench, landing Antonio Reeves, who's a who's a high impact scorer. I do think Kentucky's roster is solid. It's you know, Casey Wallace. We have two top fifteen recruits. We have we're returning the national player of the year. We have a former five-star potential lottery pick with Damian Collins. We've got multiple seniors. You know, Severe Wheeler led the Power Five in assists last year, and then Jacob Toppin as a senior. I mean, he was great off the bench for us this year, but I think he could take a big leap similar to his brother, Obi, when Obi took that big leap at Dayton. I think Jacob could take a similar jump. It won't be the same, but similar. Um, and then we'll just – it really depends on if Adu Thiero can contribute immediately. We'll see if Lance Ware can take that sophomore to junior jump. He's not going to play much anyway because of Oscar. But I do think that Kentucky is probably top five. And then, honestly, it, it pains me to say it, but Duke is – Duke rounds out my top five. There, I that I can't. I know you can't. I know we both hate Duke. We, we share that <laughs> hatred, man. But Roach was playing great at the end of the year. He's back. 
you know, Lively, you know, they got the number one recruit or the number one recruiting class with Lively and Filipowski. And I know you're super high on uh, Derek Whitehead. I'm also very high on him. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and then who I, I know, I think they're, I think Keels is still undecided. Um, but overall, if he comes back there. Yeah. yeah. And even if he doesn't come back, though, I still I'm very high on that team. I guess the the shooting guard spot would be a big question mark for them if Keels leaves, but everything else is super filled out and super solid. So I just think with the who they have coming back, plus that insane recruiting class they have coming in, I think they landed a couple, or they landed one transfer from Harvard, I think, and then they've kind of like they're still in the running for a couple other transfers. So I, I don't I don't really know much about Kansas. Is Kansas a top five caliber team? I know they're losing a good bit, but do you think that? I mean, you I've still heard, have to give I've me your last Jaylen. one. But. Oh, yeah. I was I was thinking it's going to be somebody from the ACC. I think the ACC is going to be a, a really competitive league this year. Louisville, Kenny Payne, I like the way he's filled out that roster. And now it is young. If they do get Tyrese Hunter and Imani Bates, I'm not big on Imani Bates, but, you know, that that would be a nice team right there. I'm very big on Florida State and Virginia. Now, they, I feel like one of those – somebody from the ACC is going to be a top-five team alongside North Carolina and or Duke. Um, Kansas, I know Jalen Wilson has been killing it in the G League. So, if he's if he stays in the draft, now you're losing Brown, uh, Agbaji, and uh, – and, uh, my fault. Wilson. I'm having to Wilson. Wilson. No, you're good. Yeah, so, yeah. So if if you lose all three of them, that that's a big portion. I know they'll have like a bunch of these guards. Uh, and I'm high on KJ Adams. He plays some sporadic minutes. Um, and then they have Grady Dick coming in. I'm not high on Grady Dick. So I I don't know if they're. I don't think they're going to repeat. I, yeah. I'm definitely ruling that out. Um, top five seems like a stretch. I I. I'm not very confident in them coming okay. into next next year. I don't I don't think so. I don't even think that I think Texas is gonna be back. Chris Beard. Chris Beard's a great coach. Texas Tech, uh, they've been killing in the transfer portal. They're actually number one, it says in two four seven transfer rating. And then you have Baylor. Baylor's gonna be on the come up too. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a lot of parody this year. Something yeah. of the COVID year when we didn't get that tournament because that I, I think that was gonna be the best tournament ever. Yeah, well, from a Kentucky fan standpoint, you know, that we had what that backcourt was Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, who won SEC Player of the Year that year, and then Tyrese Maxey. That was our backcourt. We had an All American in Nick Richards and a solid bench. And then the and then the 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 COVID took out uh, the, the tournament that year. So that was that's depressing for Kentucky fans because, you know, we're sitting here, we're starving for tournament success. And then our best year, our best team in recent memory got got the tournament canceled. So. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that the parity is going to be next level uh, in college basketball. I think this is the first time we've really seen kind of like the the recruiting classes are very interesting because it seems like the the top talent in the recruiting class is more spread out than usual uh, with this 2022 class. You know, you got Arkansas landing so many great players. Of course, Duke, you know, just signed a crazy class. But, you know, Dylan Mitchell going to Texas, Keontae George going to Baylor, Amari Bailey going to UCLA, Kellel Ware, which I know you're high on him, going to Oregon. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing the Houston agenda. They landed a top 10 pick with Walker or a top 10 um, – uh, they're gonna they're gonna be crazy next year. Walt, Jerace Walker and Terrence Arsenal, he's very slept on. 
He's back to back five eight Texas champ. Like he, he's the real deal. Uh, the best, the best player going to Texas, Arterio Morris. No, he's the second best. Dylan Mitchell is Arterio mm-hmm. Morris. Uh, Terrence Arsenal. The reason why uh Arterio doesn't have any Texas uh state rings and how good of a player he is, I think he's really good. McDonald's All American. Arsenal is the reason why he doesn't have any because he's oh, beat wow. him back to back years. Like dude's legit. And I think he has very high upside NBA potential. So, yeah, Houston is going to be crazy next year. Yeah, I forgot to mention uh, my sleeper pick for potentially a really good team is Michigan, you know, with who they're returning and kind of like what they've got coming in. I think overall that's a that's a really underrated team. I know Kentucky plays Michigan in London next year, so that will be an interesting game. Um, that Hunter Dickinson-Oscar Sheway matchup is going to be crazy, but – um, I think Michigan's a team that might, you know, surprise some people with how solid they are next year. But do we play y'all? I don't think we do because you know how it's usually UCLA, Ohio State, us and – oh, I said us, UNC and Kentucky. Yeah. Is it – who, who's think, playing who this year? I think we play UCLA this year because we were supposed to – we were supposed to play Ohio State this year, but then that ended up getting canceled, so then we played y'all. Because that, that was a but that was not a good day. Hey, y'all got the last laugh though. You made the championship, so you know whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for college basketball next year. I just think there's so many question marks, you know, with so many teams. But there's also just like you just know that next year's gonna be crazy. It's kind of hard. It's impossible to pick a favorite for the championship because of just number one, no, the, the transfer portal's still going on and stuff like that. But then everybody's just got good teams going into next year. So it's going to be crazy. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, I, I think like just from like content creator and watching what you do, watching what I do, watching what others do. I think everybody's going to take that jump. If you really dedicated to this, uh, everybody needs to tap in with your platform. Like, yeah, this is, it's about to be a crazy upcoming year. And I, and cause it's like, we're, we were we we got off of COVID this year in a sense, but now we're really off coming into next season. So now it's like, all right, we got the transfer portal, talents more dispersed, new head coaches that are SEC is going to be a living hell every every week. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna start six. There's a lot of teams that can mm-hmm. compete for the title this year. It's no safe spots. I know one thing, y'all are gonna be better than Auburn this year. Definitely gonna be better. Than I hope so, man. That was that was rough, and we should have won that game against Auburn. I think we were up by like twelve when Ty Ty got hurt, and then he was out the rest of the game. And you know, we like to make that excuse as to why we lost that game, but I really do think that's probably why we lost that game. Like, I think we probably would have pulled that one out if we had a healthy Ty Ty because he was playing great when he before he got hurt. But yeah, I mean, that's just, fair because. Oh, I was just gonna say, just looking at the SEC, we got uh, you know Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas. Like those, th- those right there, those are gonna be some scary teams. But anyway, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I was just gonna say they they was they was as fraudulent as could be because they their guards were terrible. I think to win in this sport, you need good guards. So we were talking about the Rob Dillingham or DJ Wagner, who you can have cool guards that like Katie Johnson. Or I, you could go get a bucket. Mar, are you really gonna like help my team win 
Right. So that's why you want winning players. Kaysen Wallace is a winning player. Reed Shepard is a winning player. Now, that's that's strides in the right direction. But I, I do say 2023 is the year y'all y'all need to like okay, final four it's final four championship or bust, like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like when you mentioned those high quality guards, winning guards like that, you know, the last Kentucky team to win it all was 2012. And our guards on that team were Marcus Teague and Deron Lamb. And Deron Lamb shot like almost 50% from three. He didn't take bad shots. He was a complete sniper. He made everything that he shot pretty much. He didn't take bad shots. And then Marcus Teague, you know, started off the season a little rough, but by the end of the year, he was throwing those lobs to AD on, like he was operating through the pick and roll perfectly. He was knocking out his shots. So you got to have those. You don't need a guy who's gonna you know you don't you don't need a guy who's gonna go crazy every game you know but you do need your guards to be high quality high iq you know don't turn the ball over don't take bad shots because that's every shot every possession matters in march madness so if you really want to make a run it doesn't matter what your numbers are in a regular season if you want to make a run you got to have those winning qualities so uh, but yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited man we even a year y'all unfortunately lost to wisconsin because i i hated seeing wisconsin it was at that point but anyways <laughs> if y'all if y'all 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 had good guards y'all had the Harrison twins right and then I off mean, the bench you listen Booker that winning formula players that buy in we see what Booker does well besides that butt whooping Luca just gave them uh what <laughs> those players like they play hard I think you did you did a ranking of like Kentucky players, right? And you were mm-hmm. like, and, and we were DMing, and we were like, people are coming at my head the way I placed this player over this player. Yeah, people were real mad at me for that list. And it's like, I'm just watching. I I watch Kentucky basketball, right? And I know you said we're rivals. I don't really hate Kentucky. That's like I hate a team UNC. like. Not, I I we have a common hate for Duke though. But right. anyways, like. Watching Kentucky ever since, you know, I was little is like I realized y'all are good off of these winning guards. Shea was a winning guard. Jamal Murray was a winning guard. Now you now I may not equate it to a championship, but y'all were successful. Tata is not injured. He's a winning guard. He plays hard. Y'all, right. y'all are not losing to St. Peter's. So in in this transfer portal and in recruiting classes, I just um like as a as a fan, you just hope that you you get these winning players, and yeah, that's 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 really much it. I, I'm yeah. I'm wishing y'all the best too because it's always excitement when when we play. Well, except last year when we got our butt whooped, but it's all good. So, <laughs> well, you know, I when you talk about like just not having that hatred for Kentucky, that's kind of how I feel about UNC. I mean, I don't. I'm supposed to hate them. I'm told I'm supposed to hate them. I watch other Kentucky fans hate them, but I really don't hate UNC. Like I hate. Tennessee, Duke, and Louisville. Those are the three teams I hate. That's who I hate. I don't hate UNC. I honestly, I I like UNC more than Kansas. I don't like Kansas very much. I don't bro. like Kansas either. Especially, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Kansas. I say my three are Duke number one, and then I probably go Virginia. Recently, has become like now. I respect that they might be good this upcoming year, but I. They're they're as fraudulent as can be too. They're boring. And Villanova was once there at a point in time, but I was like, I I I can respect what they got going on because they built it from the ground up. It's, they just got winning players, not five stars. It's not flashy. They just do what they got to do. Um, but I say yeah, Kansas, 
Kansas has always been a thorn in it. Like, why? I just think about it like geographically, why would somebody want to go play <laughs> at Kansas? I know basketball started there, apparently. Um, Naismith, uh, but it's like, yeah, but who cares about all that? I'm not why? trying to play in a cornfield, bro. Yeah, that, um, heck no. I, I don't, I don't respect, but yeah, Duke, Duke is number one. I, nothing, yeah, no, nothing. I, but it's, I, they keep getting Duke. all the players that I like. It's, yeah. it's crazy now. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that in one of your videos as well. It's like you hate them, but you know, you can't help but kind of like, like you're not rooting for them, but it's like these are the players that you like in these classes and they're going to Duke. So it's like, you know, that's tough. Um, but I, can't, I would root for Duke. I hope that John Shire is an absolutely horrible coach, and I hope that he wastes all that talent. You know, I hope that he – I hope they don't make the tournament next year. I hope that they fire him. I don't. I hope he can't figure out how to – because Coach K did a good job of figuring out how to, like, mesh all that talent together. And I, I know we, this has been going on for a, a while, and, uh, you know, we're probably ready to get up out of here. But I do want to say the the – so all the hate around Coach Cal for a while has been like, oh, he's a terrible coach, but he just gets all this high-level talent, right? And so that talent's been carrying him. But then you look at a guy like Penny Hardaway at what he's done at Memphis. He's gotten insane recruiting classes, insane talent, and has nothing to show. He has, what, one tournament win in his entire, like, five-year career there? and Over Boise State. Yeah, right. And so, you know, you look at that, a guy like Penny, and that might happen with John Shire, you know, that everyone's thinking that he's just going to take the mantle from Coach K and just run with it and just continue the greatness. But, like, John Calipari is a good coach. He's a better coach than people give him credit for. And, you know, it was it was a similar situation with Coach K, but it's like, we need to look out for John Shire to possibly fail because even when you have all that talent, if you look at what happened with Penny and what has happened with some other guys, you got to be a good coach. You got to be able to get those guys to buy in and, you know, not be all about themselves. And you got to get those guys to want to win to have any success. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that all these players are picking these schools to play under these former players. And, but you're not going to like, Eric Musselman's back-to-back elite eight. Like he's starting to get it now, but it's like, why? I was confused. Like, why are people picking Memphis? What has Penny Hardaway done? Like, he's not a good coach. And my my thing about Cal, right, is like, he's a good coach, but sometimes I feel like he's stuck in his ways. Like, oh, he's absolutely. Gonna, I mean, you you know more, but from what I've seen, I I feel like if something is working, he'll stick to it. But when it like another team starts to figure it out, he'll, like, just lock up. Like, we're just going to keep doing the same thing, mm-hmm. running the same players. Like, I don't know. I, I you, no, you know more than me, but that, that's just what I see. I'm like, you I, you could be doing so much better sometimes in mm-hmm. late-game situations. Well, something as simple as if Xavier Wheeler turns the ball over four possessions in a row, take him out and put Ty Ty at point. And he just didn't do that. He just like he's like, no, nah, we're going to let him play through this bad stretch. And it's like, yeah, that sounds good on paper. But if he keeps turning the ball over and taking bad shots, <laughs> you know, that hurts the team. And then we lose to St. Peter's. Yeah. So it's like we could have beat St. Peter's down the stretch. But Xavier Wheeler had two back to back terrible turnovers in crunch time and. St. Peter's took advantage of it. So, yeah, I agree. Coach Cal definitely needs to adjust or he's going to end up like Jim Beheim. You know, he's a legendary coach, but he didn't adjust, and he hasn't he hasn't adjusted with the game. People have figured him out, and so now Syracuse is, is nothing to be worried about. So I'm worried the same thing is going to happen to us. Mm, yeah, but 
Yeah, I I agree. I I was talking to Judah Mintz. He just committed to uh Syracuse like a month or two ago, and he's a teammate of Chris Livingston. And it's like when I watch Oak Hill, I thought. Well, I'm two points here. I thought Judah Mintz was better than Chris Livingston. That's what I got from it. But like, and then another thing, he was asking me. He was texting me like, "Where should I go? Where should I go?" Like, I was telling him like Wake Forest because that was one of his final schools. Like, Steve Forbes will get you right. You get the ball in your hands. Alondis Williams is leaving. But then he was like, Syracuse is telling me all these things about how they're gonna change this and that. And you brought up Jim Beheim, and that was just it. Just connected like. Why why go there when they're, like, I don't, it's like when the president tells you, like, oh, we're going to change this, this, and that. It's mm-hmm. like false promises. And I feel like, I hopefully Coach Kyle's not giving y'all false promises and the fam, uh, the Kentucky fan base, because that would be, like, that. then then that's the Jim Beheim route. Then you're getting stuck in that. And I think I think that's what I'm worried about is is that you know he's not going to adapt fully, but you know he's embraced the transfer portal, which I didn't expect him to do, um, and you know he's still landing these high caliber recruits. So I think it's more so the in game coaching with Coach Cal. You know, make the correct adjustments. Don't be stubborn and stick with your ways because they used to work. You know, the dribble drive offense worked in 2011, but that's no longer the the state of college basketball. That's no longer the new innovative thing. Everybody's figured out your offense coach. So you got to adjust that. And I think that that's what he's really struggling with. So if he can do that, we've got the talent on the roster. He's just got to make that adjustment, but um, maximize the talent. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you're still developing these guys and then putting them in the league, but it's, it's just not working on a, college basketball level just yet so anyway i'll uh that that's pretty much all the topics we have for today um you know i really just wanted to get you on here because like i said i I just respect your word you know i respect what you say about you know i just believe every word out of your mouth i believe you know what i mean like i i treat you like a high level analyst i can't believe you know i I really do think that you're gonna you know make it make it far in the industry i know you're trying to you know that's your dream uh down the road and i think it happens bro like you know what you're talking about you know you're you're uh definitely one of my favorite creators if not my absolute favorite sport definitely my favorite sports creator so i i love watching your videos i'm honored that you uh came on here to talk hoops with me um i know i I drove it drove it um drew it out a little bit but uh you know appreciate you coming on the pod man it means a lot i know this means a lot because like i said i've likewise i've been keeping up with your content i see that you're live i see that you're you have these connections you're always invested into primarily kentucky which is good like if i sooner down the line coach cow is gonna be calling you bro <laughs> we report this then now i fully believe it like you're gonna infiltrate yourself so deep into the community that they're gonna start paying you or you're working for a, a scouting publication, whatever you want to do revolving around Kentucky, basketball, football, both is going to work out. And I'm here for, I'm supporting you. And I'm just, you know, one DM away. We we can always talk basketball, chat about whatever is going on. I'm here. And I appreciate your kind words. I appreciate what you got going on. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. No, once again, thank you so much. Uh, I also appreciate the words, you know, we, we, we gonna, we gonna rise together. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, you know, for anybody listening, y'all make sure to go find this man on TikTok. That's where, that's where you primarily do, you know, most of your stuff, right. You're not, you're not on majorly on any other 
I know you're like active on Twitter and you write articles sometimes as well and that you post to your Twitter. So if any of y'all listen to this, make sure to follow Hardwood Trash Talk on Twitter and TikTok. He's got great content. And uh, yeah, so appreciate you once again. And um, listeners of the KCP podcast, appreciate y'all and have a good one.